Bible, so turn with me to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26. And it says this, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what's contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Father, today we pray that you add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that what we share this morning would be life and health and strength to our beings, we pray. I pray, Father, that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want you to raise your hand. And don't lift the hand of the person next to you or elbow them. But I'd like you to be honest for a moment. How many of you, if we could really be honest and we knew it was a safe place where I could really be honest and not worry about how people would look at me afterwards. I wonder how many in this room, if you had that, that safe place, if you, had, if you had a friend, if you had a brother, if you had someone in your life who you could just tell them anything, and you knew that they loved you, and that they accepted you, and they were on your side, I wonder how many people, well, first of all, I wonder how many people have that. And I'd say that in a lot of, a lot of people's lives, there's a lot of people who don't have that. They don't have one person in their life who they could tell anything to and would feel safe in being able to do that. And I think it's something we really need to work at developing, but I don't want to digress. I wonder how many of you, if you were completely honest with yourself and someone else, you'd say that I have character issues that I struggle with. Now, like I can say, we don't want to say we have character issues. We want to say, I, well, I, I made a mistake. My wife and my kids, they made me do it. If my boss wasn't such an idiot, I wouldn't respond that way. But in reality, if we're completely honest, if we want to be honest, it's a character issue. And if we were honest with ourselves, I wonder how many of us would say that I have a couple character issues that I struggle with. Perhaps maybe no one but your family knows how bad your temper is. Everybody else sees you as a smiling, happy, jovial guy or a sweet little lady that nobody would know how you act when you don't get your way. As you say that, there's a part of that that kind of bugs you. Because you're like, I don't want to be that way. I wonder how many of you might struggle in 
relationships and getting along with other people, maybe maybe family, maybe co-workers, maybe neighbors. Maybe there is a history of relationships that keep getting cut off. And it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's them. But if we really were honest with ourselves and we look back and we would say, well, maybe some of that has to do with things such as jealousy or bitterness or my pride. In this world that's so sensual, in this world that is so alluring sometimes, I wonder how many would say that they struggle with their sexual purity. If they were honest, they'd say, I do some things that I don't want the whole church to know. I watch some things I don't want other people to know. I engage in activities that makes me feel, makes me feel sick, makes me feel ashamed. Now, people are honest if they're honest. All of us have some type of area where we struggle. It's funny, if someone have a bad temper and, and they'll look down on somebody else who has a character flaw, Paul clearly states that the spirit and the sinful nature are in conflict with each other. And this has been something since the fall of man until the return of Jesus Christ, until we have had glorified bodies and we are in the presence of the Lord, there is going to be this continual battle between the Spirit of Christ that lives and dwells inside of you as a believer and the old sinful nature that wants to keep rising from the dead. You do realize that the old man has died. He has died with Christ. We were buried with him in baptism. Our life is now hidden with God in Christ, and yet we find that that old man wants to keep rising back up. And you're putting the death, and you're pushing down, and he wants to keep rising back up. Paul says of the spirit and the flesh that they're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. I thought about it in a different way this week. I've often thought that because of the flesh, we don't always do the good that we want to do. Because of the flesh, there's times in which we battle with, I don't want to have a temper. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be rude to people. I don't like it whenever I'm filled with rage. Or maybe you don't like it when you go out again. And I'm not going to drink anymore. And you come back drunk again. You say, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do that again. And yet, that old nature keeps rising back up in people's lives. Well, as I was thinking about, you know, sometimes because of the flesh, we don't do the good that we want to do. But I was also thinking, because of the spirit, we don't do the evil that we want to do sometimes. Can we be honest? Aren't there times in which you want to do evil? You say, no, I'm a Christian. Aren't there times you'd like to give somebody a piece of their mind? Aren't there times, don't give too much of it away. You're going to be running short. Aren't there times in which you want to respond the way the old man responded? Aren't there times that you want to get back? Aren't there times that you want to just satisfy what your flesh wants? But because of the spirit in you, you don't do what you want to do. Why? So there's going to continually be this battle between the spirit of God that lives inside of you, that dwells inside of you as a believer in the old nature, the sinful man that wants to keep rising from the dead. Now, 
who is Paul writing to? Paul is writing to the church of Galatia. And he says to them this, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And you know the history of the church of Galatia. They started off doing good, and then they wanted to add the things of the law, like circumcision, for them to be able to be, and the keeping of the law for them to add it to what Christ has done. And Paul says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Paul then goes on to identify some of the acts of the sinful nature. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on them. We're all familiar with them. But he says that they're obvious. He says sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, which would be drunkenness and carousing, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I've warned you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What a very sobering thought. That those who live like this, he lists the acts of the sinful nature and he says, if you live like this, the people who live like this, he clearly states, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, okay, divinely inspired, Paul clearly writes that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you notice that the acts of the sinful nature tend to harm others and involve a lot of strife and confusion? The acts of the sinful nature, you look at someone who lives according to the sinful nature, and they're usually not too good to other people, but they're really not too good to themselves either. You show me a person who lives according to the sinful nature, and they are oftentimes very difficult upon themselves. They're difficult to be around. There's a lot of strife and a lot of confusion and a lot of discord, and it's a lot of unhappiness. But we'll see that the fruit of the Spirit tends to make a person agreeable to one another, and easy on themselves. That was one of the things that I read. It said that the fruit of the Spirit tends to make a believer agreeable to one another. When someone's walking by the Spirit, they're good to be around. And they are easy to themselves. But here's the point I sense the Lord wanted me to bring to your attention. As you allow the Holy Spirit to live in you, here are the characteristics that his life will produce. Okay? Instead of you saying, a lot of times we think, I have to love more. I have to find a way to have more peace. If somehow I can grit my teeth enough, if I can get enough sleep, if I can do the breathing exercises, right? If I can bite my tongue hard enough, then I'll, I'll get it. And that usually doesn't work real well. I mean, to be honest, we can have somewhat improvement. But doing this on our own doesn't work real well. Here's the promise to you today. That the fruit of the Spirit is going to produce certain characteristics in your life. It's not the fruit of Paul. It's not the fruit of Darnie. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It is what the Spirit produces when you are in intimate relationship with them. It's what the Spirit produces in your life. Okay? It says that the fruit 
of the Spirit. And here's what I want you to understand. God is at work in your life, and He's producing fruit. Fruit that will last. Fruit that will be beneficial to you, that will be good to others. In John 15, Jesus talks about abiding in the vine. And I would encourage you when you go home, break out your Bible and read John 15. It says that we can't bear fruit apart from Him. We can't bear it on our own. That if you abide in me and my words abide in you later on, He says, you can ask what you will and I'll do it. You can ask the Father what you desire and He'll do it. It says that if, if you don't abide in Him, He says that He's the vine, we're the branches. Every tree that bears fruit, He prunes. But the trees that don't bear fruit, He cuts them off. And so He says, He says for us to abide in Him and allow His Word to abide in us. And that's where the life of Christ comes out in us. And that's where the transformation takes place. It is not us gritting our teeth. It's not us who wake up in the morning saying, I'm not going to, and we fill in the blank of all the things we're not going to do. But the reality of it is, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to live through us. We died. Our lives are now hidden with God in Christ. The word fruit is singular, indicating that these qualities constitute a whole, a unity, all of which should be found in the believer who lives under the control of the Holy Spirit. This fruit is simply the life of Christ lived out through you. Many commentators try to break these characteristics down into three groups. And they'll say there's all kinds of different classifications that different commentators give it. Some will say the first three are towards God. The next three are towards men. The final three are towards self. Others describe the first three as habits of the mind and how you think. The second three of how you treat others. And the final three of how you conduct yourself or your character. These are the things that if you let the Spirit of Christ live through you, as you abide in Him and His Word abides in you, this will be the fruit of that taking place in your life. These will be the characteristics. Now, I don't know about your home. I think of mine. I don't like fits of rage. I don't care for dissensions or factions. The reality of it is, is when these things are taking place, the person who lives according to the sinful nature is really rough to themselves. I mean, they really treat themselves bad. They think that they're treating themselves good. They think that they're doing what they want. But they're really hard on themselves. The first one that this says is, is, this is what's going to be produced in your life. Love. The God may love is listed first. Because it's the foundation of all the other graces. Many would say that love is the fruit. And the other eight things are merely expressions of love. God is love. And he loves the world. This love, God's love, listen to this and listen closely, is a covenant-keeping. It's a covenant-keeping love. It's a self-sacrificing love that sent Christ to die for sinners. It's a love that doesn't keep score 
It refuses to take offense. It's a love that seems crazy to some who don't understand it, but extraordinary to those who experience it. This is the kind of love that God is shedding abroad in your heart. And wouldn't you love for your wife just to love you that way? Wouldn't you love for your husband to love you that way, that covenant-keeping love, that self-sacrificing love, that love that doesn't keep score, that love that refuses to take offense, that love that goes the extra mile and oftentimes asks nothing. It's a selfless love. And that's the kind of love that God is placing in your heart as you just draw near to Jesus, as you spend time in his word. Friend, that's being planted in your heart. You're not whipping it up. You're not making it happen. As you abide in Christ, as you spend time in the mornings in his word, as you spend time drawing near to him, that's what's being produced in your life so that you're no longer the selfish person that you once were. You start to see things differently. So that's the first thing that's going to be produced in us. Joy. Joy is a deep, abiding, inner rejoicing that does not depend on circumstances because it rests in God's sovereign control of all things. It rejoices in who we are in Christ. Joy is a cheerfulness, a delight in God. It says things like, I'm a friend of God. I'm blessed. I'm a child of the Most High. Ah, things are good today, because God's on my side. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Jesus said in John 15, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Nehemiah 8.10 says, don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Third one, is peace. This, again, is a gift of Jesus, because he says, my peace I give you. It's an inner repose. It's a quietness of heart. A sense of well-being. Maybe it's going to be okay, even whenever everything seems around us like it's not going to be okay. It defies human understanding. Paul writes to the Philippian church about it. And he talks to them about the peace in Philippians 4, 7. About the peace of God that transcends all understanding, that passes all understanding. He says that that peace will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace is a tranquility in our relationship with others, especially other believers. Now, I want to ask you something. You think about the man or the woman who has joy, peace, and love in their hearts. People will do anything for peace and for joy. Can I tell you, that's the major reason for our epidemic of drug abuse and alcohol abuse today. Because people are looking for peace in their hearts. People are are looking for something to make them happy. That's a major reason why there's so much sin in our world today is because people are believing the lie that if I get this woman, if I get high, if I get drunk, then then I'll feel good. Then I'll feel good, or at least I can escape. The person who allows, who is in close relationship with Jesus, listen to me, they really treat themselves good. 
is filled with joy, that's good care for yourself. When your heart is filled with peace, you're really caring, taking care of your own well-being. Others benefit from it. But primarily, when you have joy and peace, you reap the benefits of that. And he says, that's what I'm going to pour out in your heart. When you have love, joy, and peace, you like yourself. You're comfortable. It's good. The next three have to do with how you treat others. When God is at work in your life, you and others are going to like the results. The result of the Spirit being able to live through you will produce patience, kindness, and goodness. Patience. All you got to do is just drive anywhere and slow down a little bit. And you'll find that patience is in short supply. Maybe all you have to do is be the one driving and somebody slows down a little bit. And you'll find that patience is short supply. How about moms and dads with your kids? They don't do what you want right away. And sometimes we find that patience is in short supply. Patience is the grace to keep going without quitting. It's not easily frustrated. Have you ever been around someone who's frustrated all the time? They're always frustrated. Everything, if the smallest thing doesn't go well, they're frustrated and they're angry. Now, what does that do to the climate, the atmosphere that you're in? It makes you anxious. It makes you, it kind of stresses everybody out. But patience is, they're not easily frustrated or angered. The Christian who is long-suffering will not avenge himself or wish difficulties on those who oppose him. He's going to be kind and gentle, even with the most offensive, and will sow goodness where others sow evil. Human nature can never do it on its own. Only the Holy Spirit can produce that inside of us. This patience works in a variety of circumstances. It affects, as I said, it affects your driving. It affects how you do homework with your kids. How they get ready for their bedtime at night. It affects your marriage. And how you respond to one another. Kindness. Kindness is benevolence in action such as God demonstrated towards us. The spirit at work in your life is going to produce that same kind of sensitivity to others. The person who has the Holy Spirit, who's allowing the Spirit of God to live through them, they're going to be tender-hearted. They're going to be tender-hearted. Have you ever noticed that sometimes life circumstances can kind of harden our heart towards others and their needs and their plight? How do you feel when you get hard-hearted? When I get hard-hearted, I'm not being good to myself. I'm just being honest with you. When I start getting hard-hearted towards others, oftentimes I myself, we, I don't feel good about that. But when you're tender-hearted, that's what the Spirit's going to produce. He's going to produce a tender-heartedness in us. That we're kind and compassionate towards others. And the next one is goodness. Goodness may be thought both as a, an uprightness of soul and as actions reaching out to others. He's going to produce goodness even when others don't deserve it. You're still going to respond with goodness. It is a description of who you are. And so what we find here is that as God is working in our lives, 
or board a china shop, but you're tender, you're power under control, okay? You deal with people with gentleness, because let me ask you, how does God deal with you, my friend? How has he called you? Power of God, the strength of God, how does he deal with you? Again and again, he deals with us gently. He's got all power, he could wipe us out. But what does he do? He's kind towards us. And so we reflect that. The final one is self-control. And this denotes self-mastery. It probably refers a lot to the area of sexual temptations that were described earlier. When a person, a part of the mark of the Spirit in your life is that you're going to be able to control yourself. That your flesh, as I said, I talked a lot about sexual issues. That your flesh does not have master over you, but you have self-mastery over it. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is going to bring self-control in our lives where it's not us, there again, it's not us gritting our teeth. It's allowing the life of Christ to live in and through us. The fruit of the Spirit has to do with character. It's really what it has to do with. It's about God producing the character of His heart in earthen vessels. It's about God changing and transforming you. So I want to ask this. Are you abiding in Him? Are you spending enough time so that His heart is exposed to you every day? Are you hearing enough of His Word? Are you doing the one verse a day? You know, um, you know the one verse a day. Okay, yes. You know the bread. The bread. Remember, the, remember a long time ago, they used to have a thing looked like a piece of a loaf of bread, and they had what were those called? What were they called? Was it daily bread? Yeah, you'd have like a thing looked like a loaf of bread if you go up like forty years ago. Thing looked like a loaf of bread. And they had all these different colored verses in plot the verse. One thing said that if that's all you're eating, you're probably you're, you're probably famished. Okay? But as you spend time in the presence of the Lord, can I just ask you to do this? If you're not spending any time in the presence of the Lord now, if all you're relying upon is what I give you on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, or what the Sunday school teacher gives you, or Pastor Rodney when he's preaching, or, or someone else, can I ask you? Would you increase that? You say the time. A half an hour. A half hour a day where you spend just in the presence of the Lord. Just shut yourself in and just let Him talk to you. If you're doing a half hour, maybe God wants you to spend an hour. Maybe wants you to spend a half hour in the morning, a half hour in the evening, or an hour in the morning, or, and 20 minutes before you go to bed at night, where His life just begins to. Probably what will happen is the things that you spend your time worrying on. If you spend time in His presence and praying and communicating with Him, you'd probably have a lot more time because you wouldn't be spending time worrying about the things that don't matter because He'd be taking care of those. His life is going to flow through you. I'm going to make you a promise according to His Word. His life is going to flow through you. He's going to produce love, joy, peace. You're going to be good to yourself. You're going to think good about yourself. You're going to treat yourself good. Patience, kindness, goodness. Your wife's going to like you more. Your kids aren't going to think that you act like a jerk whenever you come home from work. Your neighbors are going to say, wow, the co-workers are going to start seeing something's going on. She's, she's a lot sweeter. 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are going to be the characteristics that mark your life. But you can't bear fruit apart from the vine. Read John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you're trying to do those things in your own, it's not going to work. But as you simply hear what we think, I want to just challenge you to this. Can I ask each person here that if you're not going at least a half hour a day, that you'll give the Lord for the next 40 days a half hour a day in your morning or in your evening where you just sit in your chair and you talk to Him. You, you may sit out in your backyard. You may kneel beside your bed. You may come to the church, wherever it is that you meet with God. You give Him 30 minutes for 40 days. And see if people don't start noticing a difference. I'll say this. See if you aren't treating yourself a whole lot better. See if you aren't a lot more content and satisfied and at peace. Why? Because God promises, this is what I produce in the life of the believer who abides in me. I'll produce these things. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we would allow you to produce in us the character of Jesus. I ask today, Father, that you would have your way in our lives. I pray, Father, that as we go from here, that we would take action. That we would simply say, Lord, I can't, I can't control my temper. I can't control certain things. But Lord, I can spend time with you. I can do that. And I can allow your life to flow in and through me. Now, to you be the glory, honor, and praise, and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all.